This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. On this week's episode, we chat with Kevin Pierce, who is the COO of Girl Power to Cure. But first, we share some updates on RET research and recap RET Syndrome Awareness Month. Today is Monday, November 14th. Hope you're having a great day. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. <laughs> Not that we did a ton. A lot and it was a little all at the same <laughs> yes. time. Yes, it was. Uh, but uh, things are going good and we're happy to be back and talk with you a little bit about some stuff happening in the community. Some updates in the world of research that are important for everybody to know. And, you know, maybe we should just jump right into it, Sarah. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start with number one. Tasha Jean Therapies receives a $50 million investment from Estella's. Ooh. 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 So what does that mean exactly? Well, first off, it's important to understand who Estella's are. They're a pharmaceutical company. Okay. So it completely makes sense why they would be investing. Right. <laughs> but this investment is specifically connected to the Rett syndrome community because this gives Estella's the exclusive option to license TSHA-102, which is for Rett syndrome, as well as a second drug Natasha is currently working on. So most of the discussion that I was able to see online right now is that this will be a step in a positive direction for TSHA-102 because Estella's has actually just opened a gene therapy manufacturing facility in North Carolina oh. in the United States. Okay. So this could potentially mean that production, at least here in the United States, um, it will be very quick as well as getting it out to consumers quick. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, as a quick reminder, back in March of 2022, so this year, it was announced that Tasha had received a, quote, no objections letter, end quote, from Health Canada in response to their clinical trial application. This essentially gave the green light for Tasha to move forward with clinical trials. So I don't know how that works, though, with manufacturing. Right, because mm. let's say that these clinical trials go well, uh -huh. which we all hope they do. This is being approved to be done in Canada, not right. in the United States. The United States has the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, or no, Food and Drug Administration, excuse mm -hmm. me. They have not made any sort of approvals yet. Are they allowed to manufacture in the United States, even though they're not allowed to distribute the drug in the United States? I mean, 
I would assume so. I don't know. That seems kind of weird. <laughs> so my brain is thinking about how, like, in Colorado, you can get marijuana, but in other states, you can't. Yeah, right? but, but it's not like gene therapy is illegal. Well, no, no, but I, I was know. just thinking, like... I don't know. I don't know either. It's it's kind of odd. That was... It, we'll, we'll leave a link to an article that kind of talks about all of this stuff. It was just kind of weird reading that because I was like, great, they have a facility to manufacture gene therapy drugs, but what? Are they... Are Did they have other... I mean, maybe they invested in other companies that are looking at doing gene therapy or that are doing gene therapy. I imagine so. Estella's is a very large company. They're based okay. in Tokyo, Japan. So um, they and they have made lots of investments. When I was looking online, they're yeah, they're all over the place. Okay, so so, so but yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I, I wonder if they're doing something with SMA because I know that's kind of been a really big mm -hmm. one over the past few years. So maybe they're doing something with them and being able to just have a facility to be able to begin gene production, gene therapy production, excuse me, at, uh, at the drop of a hat when it does get approved. I mean, and if you think about it, Canada has approved it. Mm -hmm. So it would follow that other countries would start approving the the trials. Yeah. That was one of the things that we talked back in March. We talked about this, how oftentimes what ends up happening is when one country approves a medicine, it's very quick for other countries to fall in line and do it as well. That's not always the case though, because there are certainly a lot of drugs that are not available or readily available in certain areas of the world where they are in others. Yeah. So it just kind of depends. And I don't know if that's like cultural stuff. I recently found out that at least in the Netherlands, it's near impossible to get cold medicine. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have some access to some cold medicine, but apparently the, I don't know if that's a cultural thing, if that's a government thing, if it's a regulation thing. I didn't bother looking into it. Hmm. It's just somebody was saying, yeah, you get a cold here in the Netherlands, you suck it up. <laughs> so so anyways, it's, uh, that's some great stuff to, to be aware of. That money hopefully will boost the, the research process. And just with some more details regarding these clinical trials that will be happening up in Canada, TSHA 102, that's so hard to say, will be first trialed with adult females who have Rett syndrome. It's been reported that Tasha plans to initiate a female pediatric study at the same time, but that's not something that Tasha has put out. So that it's has not been on their that's not on their website. website. Yeah, it's on a couple of other websites saying that sources state that they are trying to do that at the same time. Gotcha. Which makes sense. That's I don't see that as outside the realm of possibilities in reality. Yeah. To try and run 
two I mean, you clinical so. yeah, trials simultaneously. So, well, moving on to number two, the report from the Rett syndrome externally led patient focused drug development meeting has been released. Don't read it. Don't read it, you guys. Why? <laughs> so, if you don't know what that is, because it's a massive long name, back in March of 2022, which lots of things were happening in March uh-huh. of this year, the Rett Syndrome Research Trust, as well as the International Rett Syndrome Foundation, led an event called the Patient Focused Drug Development Meeting. And what you need to know about this meeting is that the FDA which, as I mentioned, is the Food and Drug Administration in the United States, they use these meetings as a way to collect specific information about patient experiences. And they're mainly wanting to gather information about individuals who are living with whatever disability, whatever disease, whatever ailment that may be afflicting the patient, patient, and how it's impacting their daily life, how it's impacting those around them. And so it's to try and get a holistic perspective of living with whatever it it is that this meeting is discussing. Okay. Okay. So in October, the International Rett Syndrome Foundation posted on its website that the report from the meeting was available for download. And Sarah, you haven't looked at it. I did look at it. Anybody who is closely connected to a rep person, parent, caregiver, sibling, grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever it is, don't download it. And I'm not saying that because it's, it's garbage. Okay. That is not it at all. Why not? This report is not for families and caregivers. This is for medical professionals. This is intended for researchers and individuals who are trying to help those afflicted with Rett syndrome. Let's go back to our discussion about our experience at the Rett conference in April. Okay. One of our biggest gripes was that it was heavily focused on the science, which it's important to talk about the science of Rett syndrome and the research that's going on. But is that helpful to us as parents and caregivers? No. No, not really. For the most part, it's not. There's not like pragmatic things that you can do Mm -hmm. because you know. Exactly. Exactly. Same thing with this report. I could barely get past the first two pages because this report is filled with reminders of how Rhett robs each of us of typical experiences. Um, it, it reminds, it reminded me that another regression is always around the corner. And then it also shows many Rhett individuals in various medical situations with all sorts of stuff all over their body. I think we all know from having done, whether it's sleep studies or doing MRIs or 
maybe it's a horrible experience with pneumonia where the individual is in the hospital for an extended period of time. You name it, the image is in there. And I, and I understand why they put that in there and it needs to be in there to help hit the message home with these medical professionals and researchers that right now there are people who are going through these things and it is so important what they are doing to try and provide care right now, information right now on the best practices as well as get as much information as possible. So hopefully we can find remedies and therapies as well as a cure down the road. So to be clear, we're happy that this report exists, but we need to remember that this report is not for parents and caregivers, and we need to do our best to take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally before we jump into such intense, intense literature. So good to know. So it's, it's good information. It's good information. And if you feel like your pediatrician or maybe you have another professional in your individual's life that would benefit from this information, share it with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but don't... It's not exactly the late night peruse. That's exactly what I was going to say. Don't curl up <laughs> okay. next to the Christmas fire <laughs> with this thinking that you're going to get warm fuzzies. No, you will not feel good <laughs> after reading it. <laughs> so... It's, it is very raw and real, and that's the way it needs to be, but we don't need to consume it as parents and caregivers. I was going to say, as parents and caregivers, we're already living it, so. Yeah. Like I said, we don't need those reminders. We don't need those reminders. And number three, Rett Syndrome Awareness Month ended a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. Do you have any thoughts, Sarah? Thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> um, I actually, this is, I feel like this is the first Rett Syndrome Awareness Month. Granted, for us, this is what, our third? Yeah. Um, this is the first one that I have not been pushing myself to do things and to like be, you know, be up in people's faces about Rett syndrome on like social media and whatnot. And that has been very nice. Mm -hmm. I've been sharing other people's posts and that's been enough for me this month. And I've actually been staying off of social media more this month or through October than I have in the past just because for whatever reason it was kind of overwhelming yeah I think I was, Zoe's going through some changes with with Rett syndrome and so I think because of that I've been a little bit more overwhelmed with the Rett syndrome awareness month mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm good with with what it was yeah. <laughs> for me yeah, that definitely was how I felt about it, too, because I had big intentions uh -huh. at the beginning of the month, and I started okay, and then 
it was just too much. Yeah. And so I just ducked out. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to. <laughs> and that was yeah. fine. That was fine. I think one of the areas that I'm frustrated with is I feel like at this point with as much as you and I have done to try and bring awareness to Rett syndrome and we've shared it with friends and family, mm-hmm. we didn't have a ton of support from yeah. friends and family and sharing about it. I agree. I feel like and the... F- Sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'll be quiet. I, I just... I was hoping for more, but then again, did I really ask for it? But should That's I have to ask for it? <laughs> I don't know. It's It's a lot of complex feelings and thoughts about relationships. And... I don't know. I, I just wish we had more people in our life that were proactive about Rett syndrome. We have a, a lot of people who do care about Zoe and our family and what we're going through. And that's nice, but boy, oh boy, would it be even nicer to have people in our life who are wanting to it, if somebody were to come out and say hey we want to do a fundraiser for yeah. Red Syndrome that would be really nice but I keep hearing people say well you just got to tell me what to do oh, I don't want to tell you what to do <laughs> <laughs> I want you to do something because you want to do yeah. it yeah like you really care about our family you care about Zoe that's great we really appreciate it. Can How do we be, move that into action? Yeah, yeah. Can you can you do something about it? <laughs> so I've noticed that too. I also had to remind myself because I felt like the first year or two that I did posts, people were interacting with them. They were, you know, sharing. They were doing all of that stuff. And I was like, man, People haven't been doing that this year. And then I realized mm-hmm. that I wasn't doing any of the posts that I was doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. that was part of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, like I said, it's, I, I feel very conflicted about it because how can I be upset if I haven't asked anybody to do it? But at the same time, why should I feel like I should need to ask any, anybody to do it? I don't know. And maybe I'm just being selfish. Maybe I'm being obnoxious. I don't know. I don't know. This this podcast is is turning into me sharing more and more things that I probably shouldn't share from the depths of my mind and <laughs> putting it out there on the internet for anybody to be able to uh, experience and delve into. And <laughs> but. The, those of you that were posting and doing stuff, it was really great to it see was. it. It was, like Sarah said, at times it was overwhelming. And those times I stepped away and just didn't get on social media. Yep. And that was nice. And then it was nice to have it there, to go back and be able to see it. Yeah. So, yeah. Another one in the books. Yeah. I don't know what that means for next year. Because, like I said... 
I had big intentions. I always feel like at the end of the month, I think, wow, that was a lot. I'm going to take a month off and then I'm going to start working on the next year's Rhett Syndrome Awareness Month so yeah. that the month isn't like super overwhelming. Yeah. And then I never start. Well, and I feel like we don't even necessarily have to do something different year after year. That's true. Because people constantly forget. That is true. <laughs> the stuff, which it is a lot of information for... For those who are posting every single day in October, that is a ton of information mm -hmm. that is being shared. It's a lot. It is. And so I, I can understand that. Well, that's why we have to keep in mind, just because Rhett Syndrome Awareness Month is over doesn't mean that Rhett stops. It's only in that month, guys. That's the only time Rhett exists. That's you, not true. Are you trying to make me and all the other lazy people feel guilty? No, I'm just saying that We're we can share guilty. about it We're other guilty. times besides We're feeling guilty. just October. We're guilty. Guilty. I've actually been thinking about this a lot. Yeah. And I'm a little torn. About? Well, because I don't post personal things on social media a ton. Yeah. Besides October. And part of me is like, well, I should share more. And then I'm like... But do I really want to, to do that? Yeah. Do I yeah. really want to? I don't know. It's it's kind of odd to think about because, yeah, we don't do that, and yet we do. Through this podcast, right? we do. Oh, yeah. But it's not the same. <sighs> before, I'm going to be 100% honest, before Zoe, I never put, like, personal things ever I didn't share pictures I didn't share like I just didn't do that once Zoe came along and we had we found out she had Rhett then I started posting more about the family but it was all in connection with Rhett syndrome mm -hmm. it still wasn't like hey I had a cup of tea today you know <laughs> like well people do that I <laughs> like I don't take a picture of my Christmas <laughs> socks like the way you said it <laughs> okay. that it was it was a great example of how uncomfortable you would be right exactly exactly so yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean even with this podcast and sharing as much as we do like you said there are things going on with zoe right now and red syndrome we're not sharing we're not sharing about that. We've shared it with a few people in conversations. Yeah. One on one. But generally, we're not sharing that on social media and we're not sharing that on this podcast. Like, we share a lot about Zoe and we her do. experience. And sometimes it just makes sense to not say things. Yeah. And so, it's where's the boundaries? Where's a, the lines? It, I, I feel like we're we're pulled in so many directions to try and care for ourselves and care for our kids and and bring awareness and connect with others and fundraise and all of this stuff. And it's like, well, sometimes that doesn't clash. You know, sometimes that's a paradox and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense for 
me to do all of those things because it just when you still have to live at the same time yeah yeah well thank you again for attending this therapy session <laughs> Sam and Sarah <laughs> we'll be back with our main part of the show after the break Sharing stories that we never had yet, none is real. I think we're searching for reasons not to be like them. them. We fly around like paper planes, they never know where we will fly. Folks, the holiday season is here. This season, stop by the Pretty Happy website and check out our selection of adapted toys. From now until December 19th, you can get a free adapted switch when you purchase $50 worth of toys. Head over to our website, prettyhappy.place, add an adapted switch to your cart, then shop our selection of toys. At checkout, enter the promo code FREESWITCH22 and you'll get your adapted switch for free. Again, the promo code is all capitals, free switch two two, and you'll get your adapted switch for free. Just click the website link in the episode description down below and check out our selection of toys at prettyhappy.place. Happy shopping. Welcome back, everybody. We are very excited to speak to a friend who comes to us from Florida, Mr. Kevin Pierce, who is the current executive director for the uh, foundation known as Girl Power to Cure. Thank you for coming on the show, Kevin. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Absolutely. Well, let's begin with talking a little bit about uh, your experience with uh, Rett syndrome and how you ended up being part of Girl Power to Cure. Sure. Um, so um, my granddaughter is Blakely Goodman. Uh, she lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Blakely was diagnosed with Rett syndrome back in uh, July of 2014. Um, so at, the, at that point in time, I was, of course, working. I worked for the Boeing Company for uh, 31 years. Um, but I was nearing uh, retirement at that point. So I worked for an additional three years for Boeing and then retired and became involved with Girl Power to Cure uh, in January of 2018. That's great. What was the draw for you to uh, continue your, your working career? Uh, obviously being connected to Rett syndrome, that's very personal, but what was it that uh, made you wanna continue working? Well, sure. I, you know, obviously, uh, I felt, I felt like I had the time and I felt like I needed to do whatever I could do. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a helpless feeling, of course, when your grandchild is diagnosed with Rett syndrome, when any child is diagnosed, uh, with Rett syndrome, uh, I just felt like I needed to do whatever I could do to help out the community, to help out the families and to do what I could to 
to help with the cure and to get to that cure. So uh, we had had some exposure um, prior to my coming on board with Girl Power to Cure and with Rett University. Um, through Susan Norwell and through Roger Brooks, who was the former uh, leader of Girl Power to Cure. Um, so I knew them and uh, they knew that I was about to retire and they approached me and asked me if I would be willing to help. And of course I, I was, so yeah. here we are. Well, thank you so much for your willingness to continue, bring on some of your expertise, your, your time, talent, energy to continue the organization. Our family has benefited from it thus far, and so we're, we're grateful for the work that, that you've done thus far, Kevin. Well, if you could tell us a little bit about the history of Girl Power to Cure and how it, how it got started. Sure. Girl Proud Cure um, actually originated back in the year 2006. Uh, Ingrid Harding was the original founder uh, of the organization. Uh, her daughter, Sarah, uh, had Rett syndrome and Ingrid uh, was a lot like me. Uh, she was uh, in a position to be able to try to get back. Um, she was very focused on uh, bringing girls to bear in the fight against Rett syndrome, which is primarily a, a disorder that affects girls. We all know that it affects boys also, but um, girls are the predominant uh, victims, I guess, of, of Rett syndrome. Um, so she started the organization back in 2006, and it was primarily at that point just a fundraising uh, activity to help fund uh, the research activities uh, that were going on in the community at that point in time. Um, obviously, uh, it grew over the years. Um, Ingrid and Susan Norwell came together uh, in about uh, 2014, I think, uh, and started to discuss and uh, think about the idea of Rett University. And it was at that point in time that Rett University came into being. Uh, it kind of expanded the role of what we do at Girl Power to Cure um, to, the, to more of the educational uh, aspects that we deal with today. So today, we, you know, we do, we, we think of ourselves as a, as a three-pronged organization. Uh, we support families. We do everything we can do to help families, especially those that are newly diagnosed. Uh, we try to help connect them with other families, connect them uh, with resources that they can use, um, you know, just trying to help with the day-to-day -day, uh, aspects of dealing with Rett syndrome. And we see ourselves playing a, a big part there. So, so that's kind of part number one. Part number two is obviously the research-related uh, fundraising that we do. Um, we have had an ongoing relationship uh, with the Rett Syndrome Research Trust uh, from the very beginning of the organization back in 2006. Uh, so um, you know, a lot of what we do throughout the year is raising money and then uh, allocating uh, those research dollars to the Rett Syndrome Research Trust every year. Uh, and so far we've, we've been able to um, help fund all of the activities that go on there at RSRT 
to the tune of over $2 million at this point. So uh, we're, we're happy with that, obviously, that we're able to contribute to their work. And uh, you know, that's going to be an ongoing relationship and commitment for us as a, as a RET organization. So that, that's number two. Number three, uh, again, um, has been the development of the RET University curriculum uh, with you know, lots of kudos to Susan Norwell and to Courtney Barnum, who joined us about three or four years ago. Um, they, they're really the, the heartbeat of um, RET University. Uh, they're the names and the faces that everyone recognizes, and we help to administer uh, that activity. So that's that's really the three major focuses that we have uh, through Girl Power to Cure and Rett University. With Rett University, we've we've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast before because Zoe is a participant in that and it's been a wonderful resource not only for her but also our family and of course Zoe's school as well yeah. about how many individuals are working with Rett University right now so um, obviously Susan and Courtney are, are the primary uh, components of Rett University they're the mm -hmm. ones with the uh, with the technical knowledge and the background uh, that are able to go out and, and work with these school systems, work with the teachers, uh, work with the speech and language therapists, um, and work with the families, quite frankly. You know, a lot, of, a lot of what we do is with the families and teaching the families how to uh, cord or how to communicate and how to how to bring their kids out from you know the trap that is that is Rett syndrome um, so, so obviously they're the primary uh, components uh, we provide a lot of back-end support for them uh, whether that be website maintenance uh, all of the accounting uh, and the back we're, we're the back office so we've got gotcha. Uh, myself and a couple of other folks that kind of do the back office thing for them. So it's it's about a five-man effort uh, when it's all said and done. Absolutely. I mean, between the education portion and, and as you already mentioned, the two other prongs with fundraising and and um, uh, uh, the research um, supporting the, the, or excuse me, supporting families, um, There, that's a lot. That's a, a lot to, uh, to take on. Uh, what are some of the, the, highlights of your experience with Girl Power to Cure up to this point? Well, I, I would say that it, it's just the personal satisfaction that it brings, you know, to feel like that we're contributing. Um, you know, every year we're, we're very excited. We work very hard to try to raise as much money as we possibly can. And uh, when we when we send that money off to the Rett Syndrome Research Trust, obviously that's a big day for us, and and we try to celebrate that as much as we can. Uh, but then, in, you know, on the other hand, uh, you know, every day that we're out there and we're helping in the community with um, the girls and their families and their teachers and their support teams, you know, we get a lot of satisfaction from that. Um, you know, I know every Rhett family out there, whether, you know, you're directly 
uh, affected by having a child with Rett or whether it's a grandchild or, you know, any relative that might have Rett syndrome. Obviously, everyone has an eye out there looking for that cure. Uh, but one of the things that we try to stay focused on on a daily basis is the fact that these girls have to live a life every day until that cure is available. And uh, you know, the extent to which we can help in those day-to-day -day activities, those day-to-day -day struggles that families uh, deal with, uh, obviously that gives us a lot of satisfaction also. I know that that's one thing that... Um as we've been working with Courtney, she's been really pushing as well is we need right now, we need to do what we can do and we need to help these individuals right now so that when there is a cure, they will be able to enter society and be functional people <laughs> essentially. Right. Right. Because if we get to that point where there is a cure and we haven't done what we need to do to teach them how to communicate, to teach them how to be part of society, then, you know, that's on us exactly. if they can't succeed right. after that. And, and, and we have that, that mantra, I guess, kind of guides us every day. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's just what you said, if, if, if and when the cure gets here, and, and I think it will, I think it's only a matter of time, but if and when it's here, um, we need to be prepared. And, you know, yeah. we use a lot of hashtags within the Wright University and the GEP2C community that says, you know, that say, be ready. You know, let, let's make sure that they're ready for the cure. And, and it's not just that we're getting them ready for the cure. We're, we're getting them ready for life, no yeah. matter what that might be from day to day. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are many things that our girls cannot do, and, and we all understand that, but to, to deprive them of communication, uh, to deprive them of um, literacy and being able to read mm -hmm. uh, and write, uh, that, that we, ju we just don't see that as an option. Um, yeah. it, it is one of the things that they can do and, and I think we need to be as supportive as we can be uh, to that end. Absolutely. Most certainly. Most certainly. Going back to the, uh, the Rett Syndrome Research Trust, obviously there are several organizations that are working hard to bring about not just a cure, but also medications, therapeutics to manage symptoms with Rett Syndrome. What is it that Girl Power to Cure sees in the work that Rett Syndrome uh, Research Trust is doing uh, that uh, makes you excited to work with them? Well, obviously, um, I, I think the major focus of the Red Syndrome Research Trust has always been the cure. Um, and, and, and let me just say, uh, you know, we, we, we are apolitical when it comes to all of the Red organizations that are out there. We, we fancy ourselves as supporting uh, you know, all the activities, and, and we're encouraged by all the activities that are going on out there, whether it's... Um, the Red Syndrome Research Trust, or whether it's RedSyndrome.org, or the various Red clinics around the country and around the world, um, 
you know, we're, we're always willing to listen to what they're doing and uh, to share whatever news that they have. Um, you know, we, 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 don't, we don't try to pick sides. Um, obviously, the, the funding that we raise, uh, we, we made a decision uh, at the inception of the organization that the funding that we raised was going to be used to support Rett Syndrome Research Trust. And, and many of our um, followers, uh, the people that are closely associated with Girl Power to Cure, uh, that seems to be their preference and, and has been for many years. So. Well, that's good. I mean, they're definitely doing good work. We agree with you hey, that having more people doing work to, number one, bring awareness, which then, number two, I, I believe then can bring about dollars, which in turn will uh, bring about a cure, and if not a cure fast enough, at least some some therapeutics for some of those symptoms. That's really great. Exactly. Yeah. What are what are some of the ways that you guys fundraise? Is it through events? Is it through grant writing? What what have, what is your guys' focus when it comes to that? Yeah, so I would I would say primarily it's through events and just general online donations. Uh, obviously, um, one of our one of our biggest event, well, our actual biggest event every year is the Disney Princess um, half marathon that's held down in Orlando. Uh, we've been participating in that now for uh, twelve years. Uh, and that year in and year out, that has been our biggest uh, event and our biggest fundraiser. Um, we have anywhere from 120, I think we've had uh, maybe even up to 150 runners uh, participate uh, down there in the Disney Princess Half Marathon in February every year for the, the last several years. Um, so yeah, that that's that is you know a big focus for us. We work on that all year round. Uh, we probably have four or five other uh, standard events, online fundraising activities that we uh, sponsor throughout the year. And then we have we have supporters out there that that do. I, I hate to call them small things, but because many of them uh, raise a good amount of money for us. Uh, but we're, we're always trying to encourage those folks to get out there and, you know, do the Tupperware parties, do the luncheons, do the dinners, you know, whatever uh, they can do to help us. And uh, we've been very blessed to have many people support us throughout the year uh, with even those smaller kinds of fundraising activities. That's great. That's that's uh, great to build up a community like that and have more people involved. And you're right, even though in in the grand scheme of things sure those those dollars are are small but their meaning is great the the effort that has been put behind those dollars to get them raised and and to then pass them on to an organization and and entrust you guys to uh, do the right thing and manage them well that is it is big it is very big yeah. and it is very important yeah. i agree with you i agree and we're very you know we're we are always very appreciative of the people that are willing to do that you know we, we we do events and we sponsor events and we know what it takes to do a dinner or to do a lunch or to, you know, even do a small thing, uh, you know, the time and the commitment that it takes to do that. And, and we are always very appreciative when people uh, 
take the time out, especially Rhett families. Rhett families are, are busy and they have many challenges kind of outside the normal course of life. And the fact that they take the time to go do this and to help us out. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just very thankful for yep. the support that we get. Most certainly. Most certainly. You know, we've had an opportunity on the podcast to speak with a few different people who have started fundraising events recently over the past few years or have been doing them for quite a while. And it's fun to talk with them about how difficult it is to get it started. You don't realize all the the work, all the legwork that goes in on the back end to get things going. It's not exactly. just showing up, you know, at the parking lot to uh, to set up a booth and and get some money, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, but every single one of them that we've spoken with, they've all said the same thing. It is incredibly rewarding. And after completing it, they're energized to do something again. It may not be the same thing, but they want to continue to do it because it, uh, it fills their cup and, uh, exactly. everybody needs yeah. a little something to fill their cup. Sure. We, we, we've done dinners. Um, we, you know, we, when we were in Huntsville, we did, uh, a couple of big dinners up there with, you know, 150 people in attendance. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a lot of work and, you know, when you think about the food and the program and yeah. um, the invitations and the tickets and all that stuff, it's a lot of work, but it, but it's worth it. And it's worth every penny and, every minute that you put into it is rewarding, I yeah. think. Do you have one of the events that, you know, families and friends put on that's kind of a really unique, interesting one that you find a lot of fun that you think more people should consider? Uh, yeah. Well, it, we've had a variety of them over the years. Uh, obviously, people have done dinners for us. People have done golf tournaments for us. Uh, probably one of the more unique events that we've had in the last couple of years. Uh, the Lore family down in Clearwater, Florida sponsors a uh, fishing tournament down there. That's fun. And yeah. And th th this is actually the second year that they've done uh, that event for us. And they get a bunch of guys out on the beach and, you know, they pay an entry fee and they go out there and they catch as many fish as they can. And there's prizes for who catches the most and who catches the biggest. And, and that has turned out to be uh, quite a fun event for the people that participate down there. Kind of unique. That is definitely unique. Uh, here in Colorado, we do have an organization that that does that, um, Risers for RET, and they have a lot of success. And I'll be honest, when I heard that that was a fundraiser. I didn't think it would be that successful, but it's been one that they've been doing for many years. And it is, Sarah, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. It's, is it not the most successful for Rocky Mountain Red Association? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So really to me, after hearing that, I, I, I realized that Pretty much anything can be turned into a fundraiser. You just got to making a bet. Yeah, right. absolutely. You just got to have uh, a little bit of energy and uh, some creativity to figure out how you can swing it. Yeah, and and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, we have a gentleman and his wife who have been associated with us for for several years. In fact, he helps us with some of our social media. Uh, applications and support uh, a gentleman by the name of Sean Shafai and his wife Julie uh, 
they're in California, they're big mountain climbers, very active outdoors. And um, they just completed an event for us over the weekend. And this is the second year in a row that they've done it. Uh, and we call it Climb for a Cure. Um, and Sean and Julie go out and they're very active and they raise money from their uh, friends and family and a lot of their work associates. And uh, they go out and climb a mountain every year uh, to help us as a fundraising wow. activity. And we call, it, we call it Climb for a Cure. And we get, we get some excellent video and photos from them climbing to the top <laughs> of the world. They, they actually went to Nepal last year and uh, climbed a mountain right there uh, with Mount Everest in the background. Mm -hmm. So that was a very interesting event. I, th I think that might win the unique Rhett Syndrome fundraising <laughs> event of all time. That is a good award. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is a good one. Well, Kevin, you had mentioned that uh, Girl Power to Cure also provides resources for families. And it sounds like one of those resources could be uh, assisting on planning or brainstorming ideas for fundraising events. Is that something that you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we encourage all of our community and when I talk about our community, you know, there's we probably have seven to eight thousand people who actively follow uh, Girl Power to Cure and Rat University, and, and we're always throwing fundraising ideas out there for them to consider. Um, you know, some of them stick, some of them don't, but uh, but yeah, that that's part of what we do, and, and and also from the family support perspective, you know, we provide a lot of online resources. Uh, for families to take a look, we you know whether it's things that you need in the home or things that you need to make your life easier in the car or when you go on vacation. Uh, we try to help with those kinds of things, um, and 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 also, I, you know, I think one of the best things that we do uh, is just knowing of all the other red families that are out there. And, and being able to connect families, especially uh, newly diagnosed families, uh, with other people who can help to give them hope and encouragement uh, when they need it the most, which is you know right in the beginning. And uh, the, the ability to be able to do that, and we've, we've seen that happen so many times uh, where a family comes to us and you know they find us or they find a family that's associated with us and we're able to connect with them and, and hook up with them in, in you know, what is a very critical time for them, which is right in the beginning when probably, you know, hope is at its lowest. Absolutely. Most certainly. Well, you, Kevin, have a very interesting perspective being that you are a, a grandparent of, of a child with Rett syndrome. What was your grieving process like when little Blakely received her diagnosis? Sure. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know that my grieving process was any different than the process that Ben and Brittany went through as the parents. I, you know, I think when you, when you get this diagnosis, it affects the whole family. Um, Obviously, you know, we are very close. Uh, Ben's family is very close to them. Uh, so there was a lot of family support, but I, I think we all felt the same um, bewilderment maybe when it uh, 
when we heard the news. Um, it's a good word for we're it. We're like every, yeah, we're, we're like everyone else. I uh, you know, never really heard of Rett syndrome, didn't know what it was. Um, when we learned that that could be a possibility when we did the genetic testing and, and you know, when it looked like you know she was starting to display symptoms of this, obviously everyone dug in and d did a lot of research and, and tried to understand everything that we could understand. And I think that was really part of the part of the process that we used to come through it in the beginning was, you know, just diving in and, and trying to figure out, you know, what are we dealing with here? And, you know, what is the prognosis and what can we do to help and what can we do to make it better? And, you know, what does the future look like? Because those are really the questions that everyone asks, right? Yeah. Is, you know, what's, what's going to happen to my little girl or my little boy as time goes on? with this condition. And I, I think that was the biggest thing, you know, the biggest question in our mind. Uh, you know, obviously you, you, you dig in, you go learn as much as you can, and then you kind of set a course of action and you decide, you know, from a positive perspective, you try to decide that you're gonna do everything you can to make that life for her or for that little boy uh, the best that you can make it. And uh, I think that's what really kind of got us going in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. There definitely is a drive at the beginning to try and gain back some control mm -hmm. because everything feels out of control. You cannot for sure. manage any of it. It's, it is what it is and it's not what you wanted. And so you, you put your energy into things that you hope will be productive. And we, we certainly understand that. Yeah. Did you have any sort of connections to special needs or disabilities before Blakely came along? You know, it's, uh, I actually know. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that we were blessed. All of, all of the kids in our family were, were very healthy kids. Uh, you know, and, and I tell people, you know, it's, you never know where, you never know where Rett syndrome is going to raise its ugly head. Uh, you cannot predict it. You know, I tell people, you know, my daughter was very athletic. My son-in-law was very athletic, very capable, very healthy. Uh, you know, everyone in good shape, right? And so you would, you would say that we would be the least likely family to have something like this affect us. We just never expected uh, that there would be a grandchild that would have to deal with something like this. And... Um, so yeah, I mean that was a little bit of a shock for us, I think. Uh, but that's the nature of the disorder. It's random. Uh, you never know when or where it's going to hit. It, it doesn't care about race, religion, uh, background. Uh, none of that stuff matters. It's it's just you, you got dealt a bad hand. Yeah, uh, is the, what I tell people. Yeah. Yeah. The, the random part is, is the scariest part because you don't know, uh, you can lead a, a, what would be considered a medically perfect, healthy life. And you can still end up with, uh, Rett syndrome. You could eat chips all day and, 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 and fried foods and you can have Rett syndrome. There's, you never know, you never know when it's going to come about and it's very hard. 
Yeah, and that's like I said, it, it, it was it was certainly something that we weren't expecting. You know, we, it came from right field for us. Um, but you asked about my exposure to other special needs circumstances and conditions. You know, obviously we knew people that had special needs kids. Uh, you know, we went to church with some folks that had special needs kids in their family. But I, I would say that until it affected us, we probably did not have the level of appreciation that we should have had uh, when it comes to what families deal with in the special needs world. And we've certainly had an eye-opening experience now because of our experience. We, we're in the same boat, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> same boat. We Both Sarah and I had very little connection to anybody with, with disabilities or special yeah. needs. And so we, we're learning, obviously. You've been on the Rett Syndrome journey longer than we have. Uh, Blake, she received her diagnosis, was that 2014? 2014. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, we received ours in, in 2019. So we're still fresh and new and we're still understanding how that affects us. Having our eyes opened. And yes. Yes. And opening <laughs> yeah. our eyes to, yeah. to different things. There's, yeah, there's lots of stuff that we don't understand. And, and as, as odd as it is to say it, if we were going to end up with anything, I am grateful it's Rett syndrome. <laughs> it's it's odd to say it, but I'm I'm grateful it is this because uh, I don't know. It just I feel like I know it well, now. I feel like I, I know no, it now. I, I, yeah. Right, and, and uh, you know, the the more educated you are, the better equipped you are to handle with it and deal with it. Yeah. I mean, you're you're on you're on your path now, and every day you're going to learn a little bit more. Going back to our event down in in Disney World, the run that we do down there, I, mm -hmm. I think one of the one of the great things about that event year in and year out is seeing these red families come together in those kinds of numbers down there, and and just the interaction and the learning uh, that happens when they're able to get together and to talk about their experiences and talk about where they're at. Uh, with their kids, because uh, we get we get a whole you know we get the whole gamut of age groups. You know we've got kids down there that are young. We've got kids down there that are older, and even we've got runners from families where the girls have you know are older. You know they're out of high school and they're young adults now, and um, so it, it's good to see that interaction. It's good to see them exchange their ideas and their experiences. And, and again, we think that's, that's something unique that we bring to the table in the right world is being able to facilitate that kind of interaction between the families. Well, certainly. The Red Syndrome community is a very special one. Uh, yeah. it's, it's been one that I've enjoyed participating in and getting to know people. And so I can certainly see that uh, showing itself in, in different events and activities uh, beyond just the online and phone calls and texts and, and whatnot. So that's great. Right. It, there's nothing better than families getting together and having that personal time together. And, and, you know, it's not that we always speak about Rett syndrome or talk about Rett syndrome. It's, it's just good to have those, um, the camaraderie, I guess, is, is one of the biggest things that comes out of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. You know, we end up in this 
rough, difficult situation, but out of that darkness, there is some light and uh, being able to connect with wonderful people, not just across the United States, but around the world is, is a wonderful thing. Certainly. Well, Kevin, this has been a wonderful conversation. We have enjoyed talking with you, getting to know you, and of course, learning a lot more about Girl Power to Cure. If people want to get some more information about your organization, where should they go to get that? Yeah, certainly. Um, obviously, we have a we have a, a very substantial web presence. www.gp2c.org is our main web page. And then our RET University services at www.retuniversity.org. And, and those would be good starting places uh, to go to. We also have Facebook pages for Girl Power to Cure and for RET University. So you can find those just by searching on Facebook. Well, we are going to definitely leave links to all of those in the show notes of this episode. We want everybody to be able to have a chance to connect with you guys, see what you're offering. Maybe somebody hasn't heard of you before. Maybe they haven't looked at you in a little while. And uh, we would encourage everybody to go take a look at what Girl Power Cure, as well as Rhett University, is doing because the resources are indeed immense. Yeah. Kevin? Absolutely. And, and let, let me just say that we yeah. appreciate what you guys are doing too. The, all the exposure that you give is uh, it's all good and we we're thankful for that too well thank you we appreciate it we yeah. really enjoy meeting everybody and it's been a pleasure getting to know you thank you for all the work that you do and thank you for taking the time out of your day to sit down and chat with us sure thank you guys Thank you again to Kevin for coming on the show, telling us a little bit about his story, telling us about Girl Power to Cure, Wright University. A lot of good information, Sarah. Yes. I really enjoyed Absolutely. it. I uh, I enjoyed, uh, I, I really liked him saying that, you know, we need to be preparing individuals with Rhett not only for life, but also a cure. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, what we're doing right now, it's... Uh, we, we hope for the best, and if the best doesn't happen, at least we're prepared. And it's, it's better than being caught with, you know, our, our hands tied behind our back and, and not ready to take on the challenges in yeah. front of us. Do you have anything? You have anything I do. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody um, explain their feeling as bewildered before. What do you mean feeling? Uh, when they first got diagnosed, oh. like the, the emotions that come with getting a diagnosis. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anybody describe it as bewildered. Yeah. And I really like that because it is very fitting. Yep. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Also, you, you should probably get some friends with better vocabulary. You are my only friend. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know what uh, you want me to do about that. It's time for can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, what can't you leave? Um, so recently, during the day, I've been cold for whatever reason. It's like 90 degrees outside. 
but I've been freezing. Yeah. And I have this poncho blanket. Yes, you do. Amazingness. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's real fast. Really what? Expand your vocabulary, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go get some new friends. <laughs> Here. Uh, hold on. I'm going to type in thesaurus. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Amazing. Let's see. Uh, astonishing, astounding, surprising, bewildering. Oh. <laughs> Stunning. There you go. That's a good one. Stunning. Stunning. Yeah, that's a good one. Breathtaking. I mean, it is stunning. Yes, I know. Anyways, continue. It's purple. And with? it's really with silver stars. Oh, I thought they were gold stars. Maybe. I think they're silver. Yeah, you're probably right. They're silver. Yeah. It buttons down the front. It has a hood. Yeah. But the thing I love about it the most is that it's it's not that it's weighted, but the material is really heavy, so it feels weighted. Uh-huh. So you put it on, and not only do you get the warmth, but you get, like, the weight in Enveloping? Is that the right word? Sure. I, I think that's a good that's a good adjective. Enveloping your body. Yeah. So it's I don't know, the pressure just feels really nice cuz it's yeah. not too heavy, but there is a little bit of weight to it and I really like that. Cool story, bro. <laughs> Thanks. That was good. That was a good can't leave it. Thank you. What's your can't leave it? I'm tired. You're cold. I'm tired. <laughs> Together, we make one competent parent. Woohoo! <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, with the seasons changing, is is that what's making me tired? I, For me, it's staying up too late. Is, is it, what's making me tired. No, that's, that's obvious. That's too obvious. It can't oh, be that. Sorry. It can't be that. I don't know why you're tired, because usually you can, like power through oh yeah i I don't but you do i don't know what it is i mean i'm i'm excited to have the kids back in school i'm excited to get back to kind of semi-normal life Mm -hmm. but i mean today you you and i were talking about it before the interview i took two naps yeah i did i came home from work and i took two solid naps like not just hey i'm gonna rest for a bit like i I, it it was heavy yeah you know it was one of those naps where it feels like a weighted blanket but it's not weighted because it's just (laughs) heavy material (laughs) that's that's what my nap felt like interesting yeah i mean i enjoyed it that's good i enjoyed it i i felt refreshed oh that's even better i felt less annoyed with our children i didn't want to roundhouse kick them in the face that's good yeah right so but i don't know i did i did drink a lot of caffeine today so that's why you're so tired well it was the wrong type of caffeine Ah. that's the problem so I had, what did I have? I, ha- I had a, a Diet Pepsi. Uh-huh. I'm confessing my sins again. Why am I doing this? I don't know, but you've started, so now you have to finish. I know, Diet Pepsi. And then I had 
a wait did i oh crap my brain and then i had a regular pepsi yeah and a regular pepsi in a can and then i had a cherry coke oh my gosh yeah i spread them out across the day but here's the thing i have noticed over the past seven eight months that whenever i drink caffeinated sodas Mm-hmm. I crash pretty hard afterwards. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's because of the sugar. Even with the diet soda, like it does that to me as well. That makes sense. Yeah. So I I think, you know, I have this, it's kind of like a sugar rush and then also, you know, the caffeine boost, but mm-hmm. then the sugar crash is really bad. And so, Yeah. Unfortunately, that's meant as of late, I've drank more energy beverages than I would like to admit. Are you going to admit it? or? Well, I mean, that was kind of an admission. Okay. That's Saying that I drank them more than I would like to admit. Okay. I don't like admitting it, yet here I am. Do you know what? We're, we're going to close out the episode before I continue to confess more of my sins and and how I, I do horrible things to myself. Um, so, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, go back and listen to it again. Take some notes this time. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so that you are notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app and you could become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on the show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit our website.